Welcome to episode four of Bars to the VAR. This is your host, Hannah. And tonight we have two very special guests, Jack Donius and Andrew Ford, two former Providence basketball managers alongside me. And I'm going to talk to Jack and Drew about their current positions, life at Providence, and what they hope for the future in sports. Okay, so my two guests are here. So to start off tonight, can you both just briefly introduce yourself? You first, Donny. Uh, my name is Jack Donius. I'm currently a graduate assistant uh, with the Providence College basketball team. And I know Hannah and Fordo here from our time. We were all managers uh, with the basketball team. The last three years for me, they were four-year people, and we graduated from Providence College this past May. Sadly. Um, my yeah, name is Andrew Ford. Uh, I'm a graduate assistant as well at University of Florida men's basketball. Um, as Donius just said, I was a four-year manager with Hannah and then three years with Donius. Um, and, uh, yeah, just happy to be here and, and sad that I have Providence, but both are uh, great schools and great teams. Happy to have you guys both on. So November is Men's Health Month. What do you guys both do to stay healthy physically and mentally outside of your basketball commitments? Um, one thing I try to do is, you know, uh, work out. Like th this is actually something that has come, uh, I think, from working with the basketball team because uh, my freshman year in college, I, I, I didn't work out that much or, you know, like get like in the basketball world. It's kind of like everyone's like, I'm going to go get my sweat in. I'm not going to go get my workout in. And I think that's something I picked up on uh, when I started working uh, for the basketball team as a sophomore. And ever since then, it's kind of like a daily thing you know, get a sweat in some way, whether it's going for a run, playing pickup basketball, whatever it is. I think exercise is like the most important thing when it comes to mental health and, you know, staying uh, fit and healthy and happy mentally. Yeah, I totally agree. I think it's a good point that uh, it's like kind of a, an expectation, I guess I'd say. A lot of, if you look at a lot of assistants and even head coaches, like they're still, you know, in their thirties or forties or fifties and they're still in great shape. Uh, working out every day and they're always working out typically at the gym so you see them you know working out or whatever uh, and then obviously kind of the other side of uh, staying healthy is is your diet which I think in Florida we definitely focus much more on uh, like what the players are eating kind of at Providence it's a little bit more of like a looser uh, diet for sure but the strength coach here kind of controls everything that these guys eat, uh, which is something that I'm starting to learn a lot more about. Just kind of take a note of what's in your food and not just, you know, ordering what you like, but actually knowing what you're eating. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so my first episode, I talked about how being a manager at Providence um, has led me to want to be a sports agent. How has being a manager for you both helped you figure out like what you think you guys would want to do after your respective positions now? Um. Well, I kind of became a manager knowing that I wanted to be in sports and get into coaching. And so that was really the reason why I became a manager. And I think my time as a manager really reaffirmed that. And I learned so many things that I didn't know. Like if you're on the outside, not working with a division one basketball program and 
like I was, I, I wanted to be a coach and you just don't really realize what that entails and what goes into that. And, you know, once you get inside being a manager, seeing the inner workings of a basketball program, uh, you kind of see the full picture and what it entails. And I think I saw that and it wasn't exactly what I thought it would be, but uh, you know, I like certain aspects of it and I realized that that's the kind of environment I wanted to, uh, to be working in. Uh, yeah, I think uh, I've kind of, I've had a similar, but kind of a different, uh, different experience. Like it's a good point about how, when you actually are in a program, you realize just how much there is to do behind the program. So there's, that also means there's a lot of jobs. Like when I was in high school and even a freshman, I was like dead set on being a head coach of an NBA or college basketball team kind of as I've moved through it, not that I wouldn't love to do that. And that's definitely still a dream of mine, but like, I've kind of realized how many cool other jobs there are that, you know, like for example, coaches don't, they're often traveling. So, you know, I'm sure once, once I will will eventually have a family of my own, like it'll be a little bit different decisions, whether, you know, if I'm traveling across the country and during the season to recruit in the summer, all that kind of stuff. So it's just kind of been a good experience to learn what other jobs there are, meet people in those professions, ask them about what they do, meet people, you know, and connect uh, with other people like that. So I think that's uh, kind of what I've kind of uh, reaped the benefits of as for being a manager. So you guys both talked about becoming, when you guys became managers, you learned all like the ins and outs and stuff that you wouldn't necessarily know as just a fan. Can you guys both touch upon like a little bit more about what our jobs entail as managers? I guess just give me like the best thing that you think, like looking at it now and like the worst thing um, throughout the four years. Yeah. Um, so basically being a manager, you're, you're running the operational side of a division one basketball program. And you kind of realize, as we've touched upon, how extensive and how, you know, far-reaching that is. And so you end up doing the jobs, like classic manager jobs are like laundry, which obviously no one likes doing, but it's just kind of part of the job. And like passing out water bottles. If the team's going on a trip, you need to bring three waters and three Powerades and order the meals and make sure everyone gets them. And it's just kind of things like that, like the – the meals, the laundry, all those small things that you wouldn't even necessarily think about that you as managers have to get done. And a lot of those times I feel as though those are the tougher jobs to do because it's kind of the, the really gritty, you know, like stuff no one wants to do basically. And that's why uh, these programs have managers is to have people to do these jobs that, you know, the coaches don't want to do that. No one else wants to do. And so that's kind of the price I would say of being a manager is you have to go out and do those really tough jobs, those small things that no one even notices, but just have to get done. And so, so I think those are the hardest jobs about being a manager, but also, you know, that's how you get in there. That's how you get the access. And so that's what I think the best part is of being a manager is, is you get the, that access. You get to see what it's like to be on a division one uh, basketball team. You get to see what it's like to scout an opponent you get to hear what coaches are saying before big games. And that's the stuff I really appreciated and uh, really like being a part of. Yeah, I totally agree with everything you said. Like obviously doing all those little tasks mean that you are involved in a lot of different, um, you know, parts of the team. So whether it's 
scouting or social media or, you know, gear distribution, whatever, whatever it is you're involved in. There's a lot to be learned in in each of those. And uh, so kind of the, the most, I guess, like the best part about it is just kind of all that work that you put in that, you know, nobody sees like, even so like, you know, the players obviously get a lot of the glory and all that kind of stuff, which they deserve, but it's kind of, it reminds me what the way you're talking, like kind of reminds me of a quote you always, I've always heard a lot is character. It's a, it goes, uh, character is who you are when no one's watching. And that's exactly what being a manager is because no one's ever watching a manager as <laughs> our director of operations, Kevin Kerbick would always say when I would fix my tie in the mirror, he said, don't worry, no one's looking at you. Um, that's exactly, you know, what we do. Like, I'm not expecting anybody to look at me. Um, but you know, there's just a lot of jobs to be done and the camera's not on us and that's what you sign up for. Um, but I mean, then again, that's kind of the, the down part is, there's a lot of hard work that you put in that might go unnoticed. It might not get a thank you. It might not get a please, but you know, that's part of, you just got to do it. That's just part of, uh, part of what being a manager is. So I guess that's kind of my, my downside. Absolutely. Yeah, I totally agree. I think like reflecting on it now, like being a little away from it now, I think there's like a glamorous side, you're sitting courtside, you're having all these like amazing relationships with the players. And there's also um, a real gritty side that no one really gets to see, but it makes everything else um, way more, way more worth it. Um, so Drew, how is life at Florida different um, than PC in terms of basketball or just in general? Um, I'll say it's definitely way more... Um... I guess, detailed, I'd say, like the practices, the way the practices are run. Coach Cooley has a very much more kind of free-flowing, um, you know, practice schedule, practice plan, and the drills themselves. The coaches here are very uh, detailed in terms of what players are doing off the ball and on the ball um, in different drills. Uh, so I'd say that's a big difference. Uh, like I said earlier, the, the, the diet, it's not really monitored too closely at Providence and here uh, definitely monitored very closely. Um, But the weird thing is kind of what I've learned is how obviously we just had a new facility built. Uh, It's only two years old. I mean, I'd say it's without being anywhere else really. I mean, I'd say it's a top 10 or 15, you know, building in the country. Um, And here it's, it's a little bit older. It's been refurbished of course, and it's very nice, uh, of course, but it's just kind of a different, um, different playing field, I guess, uh, which is kind of interesting. You like going to Florida, you'd think, you know, it's like a, you know, a really nice building and stuff, uh, with the football money and kind of stuff they have down here. But that's also kind of the beauty of, of Providence is Providence is what football is to this school. You know, that's what basketball is up there. Uh, like all the attention goes to football here. Um, that's what all the, you know, tailgating, all the money comes from football, but it's kind of that for basketball up there. So I think that was kind of cool is, you know, you were a part of the biggest show in town mm-hmm. where here, not that, I mean, there's a lot of basketball fans here too, but it's just not the biggest show in town. That's just the, the truth of it. Um, but it still is, a you know, I mean, just being a part of the athletic program here, it's still, you can kind of feel the energy on game days and stuff. It's a very cool environment. Uh, I do just I do wish that I was able to experience a full full capacity game, but um, you know, these are the times we're in. So, 
Yeah, absolutely. It's good to have like two different perspectives too, with two yeah, very different mm-hmm. basketball programs and cultures. Um, Donius, how is life right now at PC with basketball? Like what's different this year? Um, can you kind of describe like how, how it's working with COVID? Yeah, uh, I think the biggest thing, honestly, at least from my perspective, um, is not having the managers in practice. Unfortunately, we haven't been able to have the managers on the floor like we normally do. And so it's just basically the GAs out there, which, you know, I'm just, I'm really missing those guys. You know, like we're all a very tight grip, uh, tight knit group, the, all the managers, the GAs and the managers. And so we haven't had the managers out there, which has been um, something I've been disappointed about and which just sucks. And it's just part of uh, what life is with COVID now is we're trying to keep the circle as small as possible. Um, and then on a more basketball side, the players are wearing masks uh, during practice. All the coaches are wearing masks. We're trying to keep um, social distance as much as we can. We have a bunch of chairs spread out around the gym. So guys aren't, uh, you know, congregating or like standing near the, the water, the power aid. So everyone's kind of spread out as much as possible. And we're trying to maintain as much social distance as we possibly can. So it's definitely been an adjustment with the COVID and practices look a lot different this year than they had uh, last year and the years prior. Yeah, that definitely sounds very like a very different environment. Um, so something else, I all, something else I wanted to talk about, which I found fascinating as a manager, was the manager games. So can you kind of explain what those are to our listeners? Fordo, you got this one. <laughs> uh, all right. So the manager games are uh, typically played the night before the real game. Uh, and it unfortunately probably won't happen this year many times. Um, but – it's basically most managers are obviously former high school players or maybe walked on a year or two in college or just have some type of playing experience. So it's a pretty, you know, it's a, it's about a, I'd say it's a varsity high school level basketball game of all the managers and GAs. Um, Typically it kind of is based off how many uh, the away team will travel with. So if, you know, Villanova is coming to town, and they only bring three people that can play. Obviously, you wouldn't be able to play. But Marquette, for example, brings much more. They bring five or six managers. So we'd play a game, two 20-minute halves, running time, and um, just, you know, play a game against each other. Uh, it's kind of cool, too, because sometimes you'll have, you know, the Marquette guys, Midwestern vibes, really nice. But, you know, you maybe go <laughs> play St. John's or, or Seton Hall, and there's a little bit, maybe a couple elbows thrown around. Um as you would expect. But, yeah, <laughs> no, yeah, I mean, I'd expect nothing less. Um, especially URI. URI games get a little chippy. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's based, just basically just people who love basketball that obviously can't play at a Division One level. They're still trying to, you know, play as many many games as they can against good competition. Um, and it's kind of just for the, for the love of the game. Um, and it actually has gotten pretty serious recently where – they invite the top eight teams to the actual final four and they play in like the fan fest area uh, where there's a court and you play like an elite eight kind of uh, winner takes all setup, which actually Florida won last year. They got to the elite eight and I guess they're getting invited to this year's. So I think I'll be able to play in that. So I think I'm going to actually be able to go. That'd be awesome. And you guys didn't mention that, was it two years ago? Last year, Providence also made it. And we all yes. went, we went to the final four. And I didn't bring it up because Minnesota. I Minnesota. 
Yeah, Donis, Donis, talk about that. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was an unbelievable experience. Um, Coach Cooley actually paid and allowed all, all the managers, or at least most of them, anyone who wanted to come. Uh, we went to Minnesota. We got an Airbnb, and we were there because we were playing in a basketball tournament. It was <laughs> a pretty unbelievable thing. Like, we were at the Final Four Fan Fest playing in a tournament, and uh, we didn't win. We lost our first game in a tough one, but it was – honestly it's just such a great experience and just thinking about all all the crazy experiences you get as a manager and how much all, like specifically us we got to experience like we got to go out to Minnesota and play at a final four and it was just great like I'd never been to a final four before and I got there because of a manager game like it's crazy and also last year we played uh, I forget who we were playing maybe Seton Hall and the Fox sent a cameraman and they filmed our game and put it on TV. And it's just one of the, like that, the manager games I felt were like one of the most underrated, like really cool part about being a manager because it's almost like this being a manager is almost like this secret underground, you know, fraternity uh, group, whatever, where like, if you need to get in touch with the manager and you're a manager, like if I'm a manager at Providence and I need to get in touch with the manager at a different school, pretty much regardless of what school it is. Like you'll know a manager who knows a manager who knows a manager and you'll get this kid's number and be like, Hey, do you want to play a manager game tonight at 9 PM, 10 PM, 11 PM? Like we played so late and everyone's always down to do it. And it's just a really cool underground thing that people, people, I mean, I definitely didn't realize until I was a manager, how many managers there are, how into basketball they are, and how accessible they are to other managers and how willing they are to talk to you, help you play, play a game versus you, whatever. It's a really, really cool uh, group to be a part of. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, I never played in the games, but I went to the Final Four with you guys and supported you. And I think it, what you just touched upon, I think that's definitely the coolest part outside of the day-to-day -day is just this network um, that's been created and the people who there's been a lot of managers that have been successful and have made it um, onto really successful basketball careers as coaches. So you have a lot yeah, of people. That was, that's the other part is knowing just connecting like that. Like even in, like I was talking about the, like the hard work, like hard work is, is translate to any job. So managers that learn that work ethic, you know, typically a lot of managers will have success, not even in basketball in basketball or in anything else just because they, they know what it takes to, to have a winning program, business, whatever you want to call it. Um, so, yeah, that's another thing I was going to say. They can help you down the line with many, many opportunities. And, uh, you know, if they can't get you a job, they know somebody who can. And, you know, they just help. Once you say it's like, it's like what Donia said, it's like a fraternity feel to it when you say, uh, you know, oh, there's a manager here, you know. Yeah, absolutely. I think that Fahey has been like kind of a resource for all of us, kind of connect us to this outside. Um, I feel like he's making this own like network of he's kind of like head of it and the center of it, um, which has been great. I know he's connected me to a ton of people. I'm sure he's connected you guys to a ton of people as well. Um, but it's great just to have that instant connection, regardless of wherever your program is. You say, oh, I was a manager too. And there's instantly like there, there's a willingness to help. 
um, which is really cool. So can you guys just briefly just touch upon how you guys became managers and what advice you'd give um, to someone who wants to be a manager in a basketball program or any kind of sports program as well, like what they could do to kind of get their foot in the door? Because I had a very untraditional approach. I just kind of emailed Coach Cooley. And then like the next day, um, one of the GAs emailed me back and was like, you're in. So I know that's not the case, Um, and and especially in a D1 program, but I definitely got lucky. So if you guys want to tell how you guys kind of got in. Yeah, mine was literally what I've been like, what we were just talking about. Mine was a connection. My dad walked on uh, in the late 80s and they have a very close kind of alumni relationship. He's also local. He's We live an hour away. So he's, he'd stay coming to games and all that kind of stuff. And he knows Coach Cooley from a different, uh, you know, a different connection. Um, so when he came, it was kind of like a two worlds colliding. So uh, yeah, my dad was kind of the biggest reason. And then, I mean, I've just, I think no matter what school, honestly, I just because of the way I was brought up loving basketball and being around basketball, I would have tried to be a manager. But um, I just kind of, when I decided to go to Providence, obviously my, both my parents actually went there and I was a, we already knew a lot of people in the program. So it wasn't uh, too hard, I guess, for me personally. I know other people have different experiences, but just get, but like, that's what I'm saying. Like the connections that you have, I got lucky with my parents and my dad uh, having good connections. Um, So that's kind of how I got involved. Yeah. I think uh, like Andrew was saying, like a big part of getting a manager job, especially in a big time program, like PC is becoming, and there's a lot of interest with uh, being a manager is you need to have a connection of some sort. And uh, I didn't really have a connection. And coming into my freshman year, I, I only kind of vaguely knew what it was to be a manager. And it wasn't something on my immediate uh, list of things to do upon arriving at Providence. So by the time I had decided that I think I wanted to become a manager, it was too late for my freshman year to be a manager. It was maybe September or October. I wasn't on top of it over the summer or anything like that. And actually, my connection is uh, forward here. <laughs> because we used to uh we used to play ping pong down in St. Joe's and he would be there with Brian Donovan and I'd be I lived in St. Joe's and so I just became friends with him and Brian Donovan and I found out Brian was a walk-on on the team and Andrew was a manager and uh luckily for me I was able to you know become friends with Andrew stay in touch with him constantly I was constantly bugging him about being a manager like I was emailing different people on the staff because at that point it was a little hard to become a manager and they had all but told me that they didn't really have room for me. But uh, luckily, I think a kid uh, dropped out, stopped becoming a manager. And Ford was able to really, like, push me in there, basically. Like, I didn't really get the job till the very end of sophomore year. And if, I, if it wasn't for Andrew, I, I definitely wouldn't have the job. So I, uh, I try to be as grateful as I can, and I owe everything for <laughs> to Andrew about being a manager but but I will to answer your other question Hannah Mm -hmm. my our advice would be like it's not like he was a random kid that was like oh my god I love the basketball team I want to be a manager like we had many conversations that you know he showed he knowed the game he showed that he would work you know I could tell he would work hard I had played with him so I knew he was a good player like you know it's not like it's like just me that got him the job he I was able to connect him with the right people that could give him the job. 
but like it wasn't like he lacked you know he had all the qualities that required that which is my advice is like whatever job you have is like the connections is was one part but the actual you know not many people are gonna say i vouch for jack donius because mm-hmm. he said he wants to be a manager like i i vouch for jack donius because i think he'd be a good manager like that's kind of how how it works um so that's kind of my advice is just set yourself up to, you know, be good. Like if assume that you already have the job, how would you act? I guess is kind of the, is the advice I would give. Yeah. Yeah. And I think a big part of it is just persistence. Like a bunch of people, like everyone says things like, like people will say, okay, I want to be a manager just one time in passing mm-hmm. and no one can really take that seriously. But if you show time and time again, like, this is what I want to do. Like, I keep emailing people, keep texting people. Like, I know I want to do this. I know I want to do this. And people will start to take you more seriously. And the, the fear of bringing on a manager would be like, he's not going to bring any value. He's not going to work hard. He's not going to help the team out. And if you show, I think if you are constantly in touch with people talking about how much you want the job, like people are going to be like, okay, this kid really wants this. Um, it's not like you need to be a skilled you don't need to be a, have any skill set to be a manager. You just need to be able to show up, work hard, not have an ego. And if you show like through your persistence that you will do that, I think at most places they'll take you on because you're only going to help the program and you're not going to you know, ask for anything in return. I completely agree. I was going to say persistency is key in any job. And if like, all it takes is one connection to kind of bring you here. I mean, I could never imagine my freshman year still wanting to work in sports. I kind of just got the managing position and was like, okay, this is going to be interesting. And I, like, I can't imagine my college experience without it. It turned into all these amazing opportunities that I never would have had otherwise. Um, so I talked about in my first episode, how awful I felt about not only our senior year coming to an end, um, but also our season getting ripped away. So how have you guys dealt with those both? Because I know it took me like a few months in quarantine well. to, to kind of process that whole thing. And I think a lot of it stems from like, we we're, all three of us are pretty passionate and really love Providence. So how has it been, how has it been the past couple of months dealing with our situation, our unique situation? Um, it's kind of, for me, like, I don't want to be, sounds like, selfish to the other kids that didn't have basketball but like it was just such a double whammy the -hmm. basketball getting cut when it did and then like over the next two months realizing kind of where we were headed that we wasn't getting any better but then I've also I don't know whether to to like be grateful or be sad that I that I like got out of there because like I feel like if I was in Providence like as like in Donius's role and I was, I had other friends in the class there that like, obviously being a part of a basketball team, you can't go out, you can't do a lot of the things that we used to do. Um, and so I feel like, I don't know if it's better to just not be there at all, or if I'd rather be there, you know, just to, you know, hang out with people when I can. Um, so I don't know whether that's a blessing or a curse. I, like, I don't know if there's an answer to that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, that was... I mean, how did I deal with it? I, I didn't really deal with it. <laughs> like it was, <laughs> I cried. I, I, I did other things that helped me get through it. <laughs> uh, but um, yeah, I mean, it was, it was just, I mean, it was just a blow. And like, that's me as a manager. I can't imagine how the guys that played Alpha, Malik, Khalif, Pip, Emmett, that, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, they trained all their life for this, especially like 
Pip, fifth-year transfer, like finally is one shot to be to go to March Madness. Not to take anything. I mean, obviously, Alpha. It's not very often you get a recruiting class like them that stay all four years. And like everybody asks me, like you know, how do you think you would have done? Like we genuinely believed we were not going to lose again. Like that's like not. I'm we're like no, like none of us would say that just because like you know everybody anybody can say that. But like we genuinely believed we we won six in a row. We felt good about the turn the Big East tournament. I mean, like we were playing as good as anybody in the country. So that kind of double whammy was like tough to tough to deal with. But I mean, I guess you just gotta move on. But it took a while. Yeah, I think it was the perfect storm too. Like how just everything happened to us the way it did. Like kind of being ready to go to the game. Um, and like, that's when we found out the news. And then like, I think it was like an hour later, they canceled the NCAA tournament. So it was just like, like, this is like two days after they canceled classes. It was just bad news after bad news after bad news. Um, with basketball, like, I didn't really care about like school at that point. I was just kind of like, like shit, like our season's over. Yeah. Um, I think just like, since we're all so close to the players too, like you just said, like, I just, my heart like broke for them. Um, just like seeing them dealing with that and then like not being able to, I talked about this in the first episode, but just not getting that closure, um, I think was just the hardest part. Um, in terms of basketball just the way the season just like that's it kind of thing um but Donius what do, what do you think yeah. now that you're still at PC so a little jealous <laughs> I said you're still at PC I'm a little jealous yeah seriously uh <laughs> with last year though it was just it was just so shocking because everything happened so fast mm-hmm. like I remember when we were practicing leading up to the Big East tournament Bob Walsh knew though Bob Walsh yeah. knew the whole time. <laughs> he always knows he does so, uh <laughs> But we were practicing in Providence and there was like, in the background, you heard like things about like COVID, but like it was, like, everyone was kind of brushing it aside. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it wasn't on any of our radars, maybe Coach Walsh as the only one <laughs> that it could possibly cancel the tournament, the Big East tournament and then the NCAA tournament. But then like as the trip progressed, it, it was, it was just an interesting timeline, like as it corresponded with our trip, because I remember when we were on our way to New York, the Ivy League canceled their tournament, which was supposed to go on. And I, I remember looking at that and being like, what? Like, that's so weird. Like, why would they cancel? Like, are they just being overly cautious? And so, that, like, that was the first domino to fall. And then a couple of days later, uh, I think, Hannah, you were there. I don't know if you were there, Fordo. We were watching the Big East game in the garden the night before we were supposed to play. I forget who was playing. It was uh, those two games, the 7, 10, 8, 9 game. It's the same teams every year. St. John's, DePaul. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, we were all we're at the garden, there. yeah. And we're at the garden, and complete normalcy in a crowd. And I remember we looked at our phones, and all of a sudden, like, the NBA was canceled mm-hmm. out of nowhere. And we are like, what's going on? Like, this is the weirdest thing I've ever seen. And then slowly, like, just every – like, all the dominoes started to fall. And, like, all the while, we were in New York City, which was turned out to be the epicenter. Literally. Of right. And I felt we just – like, on the trip there, I, I had no idea what was happening. And then, you know, 48 hours, whatever it was, on the way back, it was just – it was a whole new world. Like, everything had kind of changed. And it happened so fast that I just feel like I was in shock. I think everyone was in shock. And I just – 100%. Yeah, I don't think any of us really felt like it could – it was actually going to affect anything. Like, yeah. on the way, when, when we were walking to that game, I was fake coughing. I was making a complete joke of it. Like, yeah, we I, all I, were. I, like, <laughs> I admit it. Like, I was, I was one of those people. Yeah. But, like, I mean, I just think that none of us really thought that it was 
something that could actually get here. Yeah, like definitely not on the trip there, but mm-hmm. like it just, it was crazy to watch as it slowly progressed and progressed that by the time of the morning of the game, it was kind of like, I, we're not going to play. And it was that right. new. And it was like, how, yeah. did we, like, how did we get here? And it was just so shocking. And like you guys said, I just felt so bad for our seniors. Like the way they had played, all they had poured into this program. I feel like we kind of got, we, we got all of it. Like we were the managers. We got our full managing experience. We got to mm-hmm. have so many great wins. We beat Villanova on the road. We were on that six game winning streak. We were having, it was like a party at the dunk. We were going crazy against Marquette. We had just such a great um, end to the year, but our guys just never had that chance to play on the, uh, the, the stage of the tournament, which I just, yeah, that for them it's, it's funny you bring up kind of that last, like that stretch. It was, like when I was a freshman sophomore, when anybody's a freshman sophomore manager, like all you want to do is travel to mm-hmm. every game as much as you can. And my literally my one wish when I was in when I was a senior was like I just wanted to experience two well, a home game in the student section and an away game like at Brad's or Olds or something. Right. Like that was like it's just so funny how you like reverse your like like I just I just never like really got that. You know, I don't know, especially when we were winning down the stretch. Like, mm-hmm. I'd see all the Snapchats, and and I was just like, wow, it looks like a lot of fun. Not that I would <laughs> trade positions, but, like, yeah. I don't know. I just wanted one game in each spot. I just felt like it would have been so fun. And even just the way our whole year had gone. Like, it was just such yeah. an up-and-down year, and it would it started off so bad. Like, we were all in uh, oh my God, California, California. <laughs> for that uh, tournament <laughs> where, like – I remember we had just lost Charleston <laughs> the day before we had lost to Long Beach State. And then like a couple days before that, we had lost to Penn and we were at Thanksgiving in like a crowded room with all the PC people. And it was like the most depressing thing I've ever been a part. Of. It was so mm-hmm. horrible. And everyone was down in the dumps. Like what the hell is happening? It's, and yeah. uh, to go from that all the way to where we were going into the Big East tournament, it was just such a crazy journey that, it, it, it's it's unfortunate it never got to end because it was it was just such a great team and such a great story and it was just it was really special I think all of us will attest to that like being a part of like that season because it was just wild wild season absolutely it was a really really cool thing to be a part of regardless if there is no ending but it was definitely special to be a part of it and I think every, there was an ener- a certain energy just all around campus and to be like kind of in the thick of it was it was amazing I think that was like part of my favorite memories of PC as a whole. Um, is yeah. there anything that you guys would have changed or done differently? It doesn't have to be basketball related um, about your time at PC. Um, just, I guess this is just like going off the whole COVID thing of how it just all ended so quickly it is just almost appreciating it in the moment. Mm-hmm. And like, I think this really applies to like being a manager, you know, sometimes like Ford was saying on it, like it can be a grind of a trip. Like you're playing, two games in the Midwest and like I feel like maybe by the end of my senior year I got into uh the mindset of like what I was doing was normal like getting on these chartered flights and going to Milwaukee to play Marquette then going to Chicago to play DePaul in these arenas like I remember when I was a sophomore when I first started going on trips like I was in complete awe and like Mm -hmm. was just like what how did I get here like this is just such a crazy experience that I never in a million years would thought I would get like why am I on this chartered flight right now how am I in Omaha um Nebraska at this game and watching Cooley like 
fire up the team and hearing the crowd going nuts in the background. Like I just never dreamed I'd be there. And I remember how in awe I was sophomore year, but then by senior year, I was like, wow, this is just kind of, you know, like what, what we do, like we go on these flights, we get to do these things and it almost became normal. And maybe the COVID um, situation kind of made me realize like, wow, how special it is that I got to be a part of this program got to do all these crazy things. Just my whole college experience in general, it, when you're home uh, in the middle of a pandemic, you realize like I had it pretty damn good and it was a lot of fun. And it's just appreciating in the moment, I would say. Like just appreciating where you are, um, how crazy it is that you got there and just enjoying it while you can. Yeah, I echo that 100%. He said it perfectly. Just, I mean, it's just crazy like, I mean, even now, like just thinking about it, just where you know, even even other Division One teams aren't chartering and getting all the things that a high major team does. You know, it's like it's just a lot of blessings that we have, and like the pandemic has definitely shifted budgets and the finance of many teams. So I think we're gonna have to get used to having some luxuries cut that we're used to. Uh, but you know, it's exactly what you said, just like appreciating where you are in the moment and just, you know, living in the moment, I guess. Yeah, I completely agree. I think we were very fortunate to have been at PC the time that we were in like the height of kind of everything. Like I'm, I'm happy I got out, like you said before, Drew, I'm happy that I got out of college, like before COVID kind of hit, cause I think it'd be mm-hmm. such a different experience. And I feel for everyone in school right now and people who are in online classes, um, so my last question for both of you is what's the best piece of advice you've ever been given? I know it's a tough one. Yeah, <laughs> a tough one. I, gotta go, I have, I have a, I don't know if this is the best piece. It doesn't have to be I like mean, business. It can be like personal. Yeah, well, <laughs> I don't want to give anybody the, the, like the hard, you know, work hard. Like everybody knows that. Work hard, play so hard. I'm going to, my, my uncle used to always tell me sometimes it's better to ask for forgiveness than permission. (laughs) Okay. Sometimes you just gotta like do things the way you know, if you feel like confident in what you're doing and you know that it'll benefit some people, but it might, you know, you don't always, it's another piece of advice that my mom used to give me is it's okay to disappoint people. You know, you know, there's a lot of times we like try and please everybody. So the kind of combination of those two pieces, I think, Sometimes you do things and you got to, you make these people happy, but you got to apologize to these people. Like, you know, it's impossible to please everybody, but if you feel like you're being genuine in your actions and helping people uh, in a, in a positive way, then, you know, sometimes you got to say, sorry, but you know, it needs to be done. I think that's really good advice. I like that. Yeah. I really like that too. And I'm going to go on that same, uh, (laughs) same vein and do like some, you know, not the normal advice. Yeah, you get. Yeah. And I, this is something that I think has really helped me. And I think it's hundred percent true is just like, nobody cares about you that much. Like nobody really cares. And it just like, it sounds weird saying that or hearing that, but I think it's really important because at the end of the day, you just have to do like Andrew was saying, what makes you happy? Like what you want to do. And you don't have to worry about what other people are saying or what you think other people might think about you. Nobody cares about you that much. No one cares what you're doing, uh, like anything really. So like you just got to do what makes you happy, 
drown out the noise of other people. And, you know, at the end of the day, no one cares about you that much. Just do whatever you want to do and just try to be as happy as you can and live your life as best you can. I think that's really good advice, especially for someone like, or, or anyone that's interested in like working in sports, because like, if you want to work in sports, you have to like work your way basically from the bottom up in any, in yeah. any, any field of, of sports. So it's I think a, that's like, really good it's advice. A business. It's a business at the end of the day. Like that's ex- like Dwayne Casey won a coach of the year for the Toronto Raptors mm-hmm. and got fired. Like, you know, like, no, like you said, like nobody really cares how nice of a person you are. You could be the best person in the world, but if you don't produce, you're going to get fired. Yeah. I agree. That's a really good note to end on. Nobody <laughs> cares about you, but work Thank hard you. and yeah. be persistent and you will find success. Just how I wanted to end my Monday. Thank <laughs> you, well, thanks for coming on guys. And thanks to all the listeners. This has been episode four of bars to the bar.